0: And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com.
1: Let's do the news. Home prices rose in the month of February. Hold on, wait, wait. Home February, March, April, May. Aren't we almost in May? Yeah, this is a little bit old data, though not as much as analysts had expected. Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes reports.
0: Overall, prices were up six tenths of one percent from one year earlier, the first annual increase in more than three years. But it was half of the predicted one point two percent gain. The S and P Case-Shiller twenty-city home price index also showing eleven of the twenty cities saw home price
1: declines. Now, with that said, the Case-Shiller index is probably the best index of looking at real estate prices. It's not funded by a realtor. It's not funded by a mortgage broker. It's, it's research that looks at your home and how the prices have changed in it. So it's not a median. It doesn't include the foreclosures. It, does, it, like, it, it tells you it finds a home in Chicago that was bought 10 years ago, and here's what it sold for. So it's, it's a real comparison. It's the best look at real estate prices. And again, eh, my, my issue on real estate is once we take away the stimulus, the federal money, how does it look a year from now or two years from now? I'm not looking at real estate as an asset. I look at real estate as a liability. I don't look at it as an asset. If I lose my job, I'm going to get foreclosed on somewhere between three months and a year. I have to continue paying that, that mortgage. It's not an asset. It's a liability. Elsewhere, President Obama attempts to reconnect with middle America with what the White House is calling a Main Street tour. Fox News Radio White House correspondent Mike Makaritz is traveling with the president in Iowa. With his approval rating below 50 percent and doubts lingering about his health care and energy reforms, President Obama is touring the Midwest to demonstrate he's working on the problems of Main Street. With stops here in Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois, the president will visit with factory workers, small business owners, and farmers.
0: It's a chance to show that he does care about their problems and to make the argument that his policies will help them recover. But Republicans argue the president's policies have divorced him from many in middle America that helped put him in the White House. On the road with the president in Iowa, Mike Makowitz, Fox News Radio.
1: It's in an election year, and in election years, messages have to get out. And interestingly to note, do you know who benefits in election years? Give you a couple seconds here. Give you a couple seconds here. Radio and television companies from all the political advertising spending. It it just it's easy money. So you're looking at some of the smaller TV players like Gray Television, or maybe some investments in in the radio world. I'm not going to mention any because I currently work for one that I wouldn't mention. <laughs> so, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's f- go pushing further in the world of news. The auto industry slowly coming back. It's time for Ford It's a good time for Ford, and they're boosting, and they're boasting, and they're talking about their great first quarter of 2010. $2.1 billion in profit. Ford spokesperson Mark Truby says consumers worldwide responded to their new products, especially during tough economic times, and the company continues to make itself lean and mean.
0: We've done a lot of work to get the cost structure of our business down and get very competitive during the recession and during some of the lean years. You know, We did the work on our business, and, and, and we we're in pretty good shape in terms of being a competitive, lean company with great products out there.
1: I'm not a big fan of investing in car companies. I just don't like the profitability. I still don't like their business model. I can't be totally mean and harsh against them. Sometimes I like their debt. Because I don't think Ford will go bankrupt and go and go completely gone bye bye or anything like that. Uh, with that said, I, I I can't really get behind. I just can't really get behind investing in, in car companies. I watch them, I study them for economic reasons tied towards jobs and overall health of economies, but I don't invest in them. It's just something I'm not good at. Elsewhere, Charlie Brown he's received a new owner. He got EW Scripts company said today that they're going to sell the unit. That owns licensing rights the entire Peanuts gang for $175 million to Joe Boxer, owner Iconics brand. Now, the sale of the United Media Licensing also means Iconics has a new partnership with the family of the late Peanuts creator, Charles Schultz. They'll receive 20% ownership in the unit that owns Peanuts and pay that percentage of the sale price.
0: Good grief.
1: That's all I have to say. Can we do that one, one, one more time? Here we go.
0: Good grief
1: always felt bad for Charlie Brown as a kid. That was one of those comic strips that I didn't really like as a kid. But the fact that he would have tried to kick the football and that, I, I want to call her, I want to use the B word, but I'm, I'm watching my language today. That, that, that hoe would always pull the ball away from him. I just wanted him to kick her in her ear and give her a concussion or something. Good grief. Next up, a Pennsylvania Goodwill. And Pigpen, who didn't love Pigpen? He was lovable. A Pennsylvania Goodwill gets a big donation. An at-first ordinary-looking ring was set to be sold by Goodwill of the Keystone area for just a few dollars, until a volunteer jeweler uncovered its true value. The 2.6-carat diamond ring was going to be sold for 3 or $4. It had a platinum band. How much do you think 2.6-point-carat diamond ring goes for these days? $17,000. It almost went for a couple dollars. Spokesperson Jennifer Ross with Goodwill of the Keystone area says it may never know if the ring was donated by mistake.
0: There's just no way to know who donated the ring. We have
1: 700,000 people donate to Goodwill-Keystone area each year, and we don't track the donors. My personal opinion here is every time I walk into a drugstore and someone's buying lottery tickets, they typically look homeless, or they look like they should be homeless. I think you have a better chance of hitting the lottery at a thrift store than you do at a lotto ticket stand. Let's go to West in San Lorenzo.
0: Hey, how you doing, Rob? Good. Um, my question is about the stock you recommended, Genvec. It's down to about sixty-seven cents today.
1: I did, first and foremost, I did not recommend this. I oh, talked about it oh. being in gene therapy.
0: Oh, I thought you said the uh, gene. Mm. You said the ticker symbol.
1: I, I said the ticker symbol in a story tied towards gene therapy and how much. Uh, gene therapy looks to be getting in revenues this company may be a winner or not what i actually said was i can't invest in in specific individual gene therapy companies because i don't know who the winners and losers are i don't know who has the best scientist i don't know who has the best breakthrough promise it's impossible to analyze
0: oh okay i apologize for that and then what was the second one you were speaking of uh, at the same time you were talking about genvec there was another tickler symbol you brought up
1: you scare the hell out of me dude because i hope you're not investing on 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 stories uh ticker symbol was genzyme ticker symbol g-e-n-z thanks for the call 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 it's rob black show 9 10 a.m more stimulating talk
0: because you want to be able to afford your midlife crisis. It's the Rob Black Show on 9:10 a.m. more stimulating talk. Call now 1-800-345-5639.
1: It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Got some odd stories. I mean, this will be what I would refer to as my hodgepodge of stories. There is a double world champion that no Americans ever heard of. His name is Mando Alonso. Who's that? He's a Formula One racer. And what he just did was intriguing to me. He put $13.3 million of insurance on his thumbs. Alonso thought his thumbs are a symbol, as well as being essential for driving a Formula One car and that they make a sign of victory and show that everything is under control and well-protected. Alonzo, who joined Ferrari this season after winning championships with a Renault, he basically got insurance on his thumbs. Kind of crazy, right? Now, I don't know why I tell you that story other than to think, who would insure someone's thumbs? But even more importantly, what do you have insured in your life and what do you not have insured in your life? I, I think that's, that's interesting, right? Do you have enough insurance? Do you have enough auto insurance? Do you have enough homeowners insurance? Do you have enough rental insurance? I'm not a spokesperson for the insurance industry, but I'll tell you the thing that I fear is sometimes losing what I have. I could always make it, but I fear losing it. So get the right insurance. The best uh, Bethany called in a little bit earlier. She's got two kids, she's a bit of a cougar. 40-year-old woman married to a 30-year-old man. Congratulations. I think that's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, Sexually liberating idea. But what she needs is term life insurance. She's actually in a pretty interesting scenario because men tend to die five years sooner than women do. So she may go before her husband goes. Who's the breadwinner of the family? She's got two kids. You always insure the breadwinner for the family. For yourself, you always insure your health. For yourself, you insure your car and things along those lines. There's, there's, you insure you things that you can't afford to lose. If the breadwinner in a family were to die, let's hope that person's insured properly. Now, my mom, God bless her peeping little soul, she wasn't a breadwinner. She was a stay-at-home mom. She raised six wonderful kids. Six kids. She had a miscarriage in there. She was pregnant for over five years of her life. Five years of cramps, five years of eating issues, five years of big belly, five years of baby. My dad didn't really want it to eat. My dad was a bit of a jerk. He had life insurance on my mom, but she didn't need it. If she died, she wasn't bringing in the income. She wasn't bringing in the bacon. Now, in this day and age, we kind of have that 21st century family, right? So you do need to insure the spouse, especially if they're working, especially if they're important to that mortgage. So you always insure things you can't afford to lose. I don't know if this guy could afford to lose his thumbs or not. That to me seemed just almost ridiculously silly, but it goes to show you, insure things that you can't afford to lose. So the best life insurance is term life insurance. Whole life and variable life suck. And if you bought whole life and variable life, you're an idiot. You were suckered into it. You're a fool. You didn't understand what you were signing. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you are a fool. For auto insurance, what you want is a good company. You don't want to go with a cheap companies that's not going to be there. So, for instance, my auto insurance is with USAA. If it wasn't USAA, I'd go with Geico. I'm not going to go with anyone else. Those are the top two firms. Good enough for me. So, a lot of people can't get USAA because you have to be a dependent of someone who is in the military. So, um, I've, I, with auto insurance, you never want to use it. With health insurance, you never want to use it. You only want to use it when you have to, when it's truly, truly an illness, when it's truly, truly a wrecked car. Someone dings my car down in the, in the parking lot, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to report it. There's no way. Because I don't want my rates to go up and I never want to be dropped. So I, I can live with a dinged car. So I can't live with a wrecked car, so I'm going to claim that clearly. Anyway, I'm turning the page of the business section right now. The business section of the Wall Street Journal. And there's Fox, most powerful name in news. Wherever you go, there's um, there's podcasts and things like that that you can get for free. It's, it's tied towards the app of the iPhone, right? Now, this is intriguing to me because let me give you a quick little story. A lot of people think business people are business people or they're all that smart and, you know, what have you. You might remember eight years ago I did a television show. I'll black and your money and I had a co-host named Shulkasoni and she works for Fox Business now and she's beautiful blonde hair blue eyed tiny little runner's body super sexy smart funny she works for business station she was my co-host so she, she taught me a lot about what I, I needed to learn in television now, I'm wildly happy for that now in true Rob black fashion I'm kind of throwing her under the bus here do you know what her, her qualifications were before she got into business reporting? Did, does she have a degree of economics from Harvard? Does she have a, Did she ever work in business? She's got actually a blog at Fox called Cassoni's Corner where I laughed at it yesterday because she was say, talking about the future of housing. And I, she, I don't expect housing prices to go up because of housing prices going down. And some neighborhoods will pull all housing prices down. You know what her degree is in? Journalism. It's a good call. But more importantly, you know what job she was actually qualified for? What job she was actually doing when when she got her big break? She was a stewardess. She worked for Southwest Airlines. And now she's on Fox, and she's an authority on housing. It's ridiculous. If you look at the backgrounds of most of these reporters, Maria Bartiromo, the only thing she's done is be near business stories for the last 15 years. She's never been in business. She's got no degrees in business. She's got, she can't do the theory or the real world business. Oh, you got to be very, very Aaron Burnett. She's got an incredibly pointy nose, um, but she's got no background. She's a sexy hoe. You know, that's what, that's her qualification for talking business. Sexy woman who looks good in a lot of colors you got to be very, very careful who your gurus and your your Buddhas are in the world and who who's actually giving you advice and who's actually forming business news. It's Rob Black Show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, we'll, we'll probably get a little bit more into... Let's do Ben and Jerry's. Let's talk ice cream and social investing. 800-345. I love Ben and Jerry's. That ice cream changed the world. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk.
0: You're listening to The Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Call Rob now at 1-800-345-5639.
1: 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Hey, ben & Jerry's has an investment angle. I know you're saying, really? You must tell me. Well, at one point in time, they were a publicly traded company, and they sold themselves to Unilever for $326 million. They did this about a decade ago. And Ben and & Jerry's, I mean, that ice cream is just, it is really all that and more. They took the payout. But what they did fear was that the new owners would ignore the social goals famously embraced by the ice cream maker. Now, the board of directors felt it had no choice but to accept Unilever's offer. The quote was, the legal advice was the primary concern for the directors was the financial interest of the shareholders. Now, a company publicly traded. The board of directors, in theory, are servants of of the shareholders. Now. This is weird because while they were publicly traded, while they were private, Ben and Jerry could do whatever they want socially. But when they became publicly traded, the board of directors like, well, we got to look after the best interest of shareholders. So They took the buyout. Entrepreneurs who want to put principles before profits. You know, a lot of us do believe, you know, I, we want to run socially responsible investments. We want to re, we want to run socially responsible businesses. I go around talking to teachers, I go around talking to firefighters, I go around talking to police because I think that's my socially responsible thing to do. For the people that I think serve our country, I think we need to give back. Now, a couple days ago, Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley signed a law creating legal entities known as Benefit Corporations and gave them greater protection from shareholder lawsuits. Now, California and Vermont have similar bills in the works and ultimately entrepreneurs are applauding the measures. Corporate governance experts worry about the rights of the shareholders. Let's say you invested in Ben and Jerry's for $10 a share and someone's offering you 15 but they're going to take over your company and they're going to be run by a bunch of Germans. And we know the Germans have no social values, no social morals, right? So the dilemma is here you've got this socially responsible company being sold to a A group of people who typically have no social morals, no social values. And yet, the right thing to do for the shareholders is to to take it. Take that 50% premium. Run with it. Let them go elsewhere with their money. Now, interest in so-called social responsible businesses by investors and entrepreneurs, it's grown in recent years. I used to say back in the 1990s, ha! Screw socially responsible investing. It's all about the bottom line. But then a lot of dot-com companies started blowing up, and what we found was that it was stock option backdating. The, the executives were basically changing the rules afterwards to benefit themselves. Had the dot-com implosion not happened, I bet you there would have been a lot more securities fraud, a lot more securities fraud. I think that devastation took away a lot of criminals. Now, right now, more than $2.7 trillion, about 11% of all assets under professional management, are in some kind of socially responsible investment. Now, more than 30,000 companies are members of socially responsible or sustainable business organizations. If you want to socially responsibly invest, there's a group called the Calvert Group. And think of it as green beans in California. So it's Calvert, C-A-L, and then Vert, V-E-R-T, calvertgroup.com. Now, a California bill is basically cherry picking some of the, the the best parts of the Maryland bill. So it's going to give flexible purpose corporations. Such measures would better insulate companies from the pressure of short termism that dominates the public equity markets. So it's kind of interesting to note. Small dog electronics, it's a 40 employee reseller of Apple products with two stores in Vermont and annual sales of 20 million. Their CEO wants to recharter as a benefit corporation of the Vermont Law's passed, in part because he's considering selling a stake in the company to raise funds for a third store. A small dog's about 15 years old. It operates e-waste drives that recycle hundreds of tons of discarded electronics. It also matches customer donations to charities and pays out 90% of its workers' health premiums. So if it ever comes to any sort of vet care, it would give them a tool in their quiver that they want to stay responsible that the shareholders wouldn't beat them and say, you didn't look out for our best interest because they're saying up front, we don't really have your best interest in mind. We're activists and we're, we're fighting for purposes other than profits. I think that's going to be an interesting law to see how that gets implemented. I'm intrigued by that. I think that's a, a good idea to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. I saw an email from, Of all people, Steve Jobs. This is a story worth telling because, again, I do have a heart. And every now and then I see a story that goes, good for you. So ultimately what happened here was Apple CEO Steve Jobs sent an email to a fan. The email has now been made public. And ultimately, the CEO of Apple has thrown his public support behind a pro-organ donation bill, which is making its way through the state senate in California. Jobs recently responded to a bunch of customers and fans emails, a practice that has further endeared him to millions of people. So not only do people love him for his products, but he's starting to respond to people's emails. Now, Steve's latest email is it's worth telling because this story is not going to get out. It's not that good of a story. It's not that big of a story. So a guy named James wrote to Steve. He said, you're awesome. I lost my girlfriend on April 23rd, 2008 from melanoma, which spread rapidly to her liver. 48 hours after we found it, it spread to her liver and she passed away. She was only 24 years old. I think about her every day. I'm so grateful um, you took time to do, out to send me an email. My girlfriend and I are from Cupertino, Cupertino since childhood, and it's really nice to see a hometown hero, you, take time to do this. Once again, thanks so much. So that was the email. Now, Steve wrote the email back to James. James basically said, thanks for promoting this, this bill. So Steve actually wrote back to the dude, and he says, you're welcome. I'm sorry about your girlfriend. Life is fragile. Steve. Life is fragile. Whoa. I guess I've been railing a little bit, like make sure you ensure things you can't afford to lose. You know, Bethany called in with two little rug rats. Steve jobs is so on top of this to say life is fragile. And he's absolutely right. Um, If there's one thing that you do that I think is a really good idea with all the money that I help you make, with all the mistakes that I help you avert, um, do do help sponsor this California bill. Do make sure that 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 you know we make becoming an organ donor easier and easier. And if you haven't given up your organs, go do it now. You can go to organdonor.gov and learn more about it. Organdonor.gov. Uh, I assure you that when you die, those organs will be of great benefit to someone out there who could use those organs. Um, it's one thing I've done, so. One thing I think ultimately more people should do is give up their organs uh, sooner rather than later. So, and if you can do other things, do other things, but that's an easy one to do. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. Coming up, let's talk some investments. Let's talk some stocks because I know I've gotten a little bit away from that today. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk.
2: I scream, you scream We all scream for ice cream
0: Sports cars and women are expensive With Rob's help, you can afford them You're listening to the Rob Black Show on 910 AM More stimulating
1: talk 800-345-5639 To get your calls there, it's 800-345-5639 nine to get your calls on the air coming up after the show. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, after the show, I'm going to record a super secret, not so secret podcast. And what that's all about is it's kind of a, a feather in the hat for my my bosses here at Claire Channel is I'll record something to make you go get kind of that extra Rob Black stimulation, which we all crave for on occasion. And you can get that at talk910.com, talk910.com. Why do you care about a super secret, not so secret podcast? Which, by the way, Sarah and No Name or Sarah and Vinny stole from me. They got their super secret show, but I was doing it years before them. Anyway, um, it's to get you to the website. It's to, it's to trick you. It's to give you a peanut for coming. And who doesn't want a peanut for coming? I love peanuts. Um, so I'm going to record that and you can find it at talk910.com, talk910.com. It'll be a stock that's so hot and so delicious and so wonderful. You'll be intrigued by it and say, maybe I should buy it. Let's talk about some stocks out there. Nokia. They recently got downgraded to underperform from hold. Basically, handset margins aren't good. Blah, 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 blah. Can I tell you something? Nokia is the 21st century Motorola. What does that mean? (laughs) At one point in time, Motorola dominated cell phones. Dominated. And they got passed by Nokia. Oddly enough, it was Nokia, also known as Nokia, depending on what country you're in. Um, ultimately, it was Nokia betting on digital while Motorola stayed in the world of analog. I think Nokia's dead. I think we can do a funeral for the company. That They had their day in the 90s. Will someone finally usurp Apple? I guarantee you they will. But will it be a decade from now, five years from now? I don't know. I don't know. Another company out there that may be dead is Research in Motion. There's rumors that they may go out and acquire Palm. I don't know. Something's up. Volume has jumped about three times in the stock. People are, are intrigued by it. So the volume is pretty convincing to me. When, when money puts a bet and says, here's what we think's happening, and it goes up four times in volume. I mean, a lot of money's coming the way of Research and Motion right now, telling you that you know seventy is a bottom, maybe eighty is a ceiling it can break through. Elsewhere, Goldman Sachs, company that I like, it's acting very, very bad. The stock is it's breaking down. If it breaks below one forty-eight, supports at about one forty. So, support in stock would be when people start coming in and buying it. So. The hearings that you're hearing in Washington very well could push the Goldman Sachs stock down to a point where I would be intrigued in buying it. Anyway, you know one of the the most damning things that I hate? I hate going to weddings. Eh, Let me strike that. I like going to weddings. There's a lot of loose women and alcohol at weddings. But... At the same time, I don't like sitting in churches and watching other people get married. I don't like eating the food that they pick, and I don't like the the decorations on the table. I hate it. I don't like the the pressure on wedding gifts. I'm a I'm a cash gifter. I'm not the kind of guy to go out and and get you a spork. I know, I know, a spork, half spoon, half fork. You could do heart surgery with a spork, Rob. I know, I know, I know. But I, I don't actually like going out and shopping. So anytime I get invited to weddings, I it just it's cash. So during your twenties and thirties, it can be it can seem like a month doesn't pass without people getting married. As you get a little bit older, the the weddings start to come down. But in your twenties and thirties, you're there's an engagement to go to, there's a wedding reception to go to. During the wedding season in April, eh, mid April through basically July, everyone old and young takes their turn in the wedding guest circuit. Now. It, what's the right amount to spend at a wedding? That's a good question. Now, if you attend weddings, a lot of times you have to leave the state. A lot of times you have to go there. So a lot of people will spend 300 plus dollars on travel and hotels alone. So because the bride wants to get married in her home state kind of thing. While you simply can't avoid the transportation lodging, how much should you spend on the wedding gift? And what is too much and what is too little? I think you should always spend appropriately, even in tight times, a wedding is no place to you know uh, scrimp. If you go to the website the not dot com the dot com the most popular wedding site on the web, the average nuptials, the nuptials cost your host over twenty eight thousand I can't believe people do this. Why would someone spend twenty eight thousand dollars on a wedding? That's the, it's it's the average wedding cost $28,000 in America. And what's crazy about it, like a veil will cost $400, $500. A little piece of, a little teeny tiny see-through piece of cloth. $400, $500. I don't get it. I don't get why couples burden themselves with so much debt or so much bad cost. Now I know you only live once and everything. And Rob, you're not very romantic. But I don't get it. I think eloping and having a, a great, Um, marriage vacation, a destination wedding is so much more the right way to go and just invite your direct immediate parents. No one, but anyway, I'm, I'm digressing attempting to price, you know, per head math based on lavish and how lavish the affair is. So you kind of start to figure out, well, let's look at this. It's a 300 person wedding. They're spending probably $1,000 per person, $30,000, I'm sorry, 30 people, $1,000, 30,000, 300 people, $100. So you basically say for 300 people, $30,000 wedding, you give $100. That's the basic idea on how most people do it. Now, the, the closer the couple is the way I do it. If you actually know the couple, you go a little bit more on the high end. If you actually don't know the couple or it's been 20 years since you've seen them in college, you go on the low end. The closer you are to the couple in question, the more you should spend. So a 2009 registry survey pulled brides and newlyweds to find out what's appropriate. Nothing less than $50 is appropriate if you go to a wedding. Well, the average is about 70 and the newlyweds would love about 129 from a family member. So direct family, you go into the hundreds, low hundreds. Uh, real good friend, you go 70 bucks. Someone you're not going to know in five years, you go 50 so, I don't know. I, I throw that out there. Uh-oh. Looks like Heidi wants some airtime. It's, it's the air pig of, of Clear Channel. How are you, That was nice.
2: Thank you. So, a uh, little bit of an aside, yeah. but let me ask you this. I sent a gift to a wedding I attended, but I sent the gift to their home um, and then never heard anything. Aren't they supposed to send you thank you cards or even say thank you for their gift? When did you do this? September.
1: They have one year to get the thank you cards out. Really? That's
2: a long time.
1: Yeah, they got one year to get them out. All
2: right. I was feeling a little dissed.
1: You you probably are being dissed, but good to know. (laughs) So did you have a big uh, lavish wedding?
2: No, we spent $10,000 on a wedding.
1: Went to $10,000 by you.
2: Um, so we had it in Hawaii. Okay. Um, we had a, a wedding on a beach. Nice. So it, that was essentially free besides the permitting. But we had a fairly, um, the, all, most of the money was spent on the reception.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. How many people showed? About 30. Out of those 30 people, how many of them do you still know?
2: All of them. Good. So Which, you, and that's because it was a destination wedding. Really, the only people that really wanted to be there came. Right. So. so
1: thanks. And do you have any good, bad wedding stories? Have you ever gone to a wedding and bet against the couple? I'm not evil like you are. (laughs) I am evil. I bet. I. I, I'll sit at the table like I'll go. I bet they don't last a year. I bet they don't even last the invitations or the thank yous go out.
2: I'm one of those saps that just gets choked up at weddings. Do you? You cry? I do. That's the
1: craziest thing I've ever heard. Lame. I'm lame. So I once went to a wedding where at the reception there was a spoon and it had two kisses in it and it said a spoonful of kisses for our guests. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm not even staying for the damn reception. Aren't those
2: cheesy, the little gifts that they leave on the table?
1: Typically they are. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Heidi. That was was a good use of your airtime, I do believe, because uh, we got to talk about her husband and her situations out there. 800-345-5639. So again, the right answer on wedding gifts, nothing less than 50, 70 if you're a close friend, 120 if you're a family member is the right answer. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Interesting look at taxes. I think we all agree that taxes are going to go up in the future. I wanted to see federal receipts in the United States, so I went back all the way to the Nixon years. We've had a couple presidents, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, number one, Clinton, Bush, number two, and Obama. And what our budget outlays are versus what our budget receipts are. Right now, if you were to go back to 1970, Nixon, 1968, Nixon, our budget receipts eh, were at almost an all-time high of money that we were bringing in. And this excludes Social Security and Medicare trust. Now, today, under the Obama administration, Our budget receipts are at an all-time low comparatively to what Bush pulled in, Clinton pulled in, Bush 1 pulled in, Reagan pulled in, Carter pulled in, Ford pulled in, and Nixon. So the Obama administration is pulling in the least amount of money on a percentage basis of GDP. Um, And the outlays, the amount of money that we're spending, you guessed it, it was cheapest, believe it or not, as a percentage of GDP under Clinton. Nixon was pretty close, but then our our outlays of government spending— Pretty heavy under Reagan. A lot of people saw Reagan as the kind of guy who was going to spend our way out of a problem, right? You remember that? So Reagan really high on the outlays. Who's higher? Obama. The Obama administration is going to go down in, in history, at least on a chart-wise, of spending more money on a percentage of GDP and bringing in the least amount of taxes on a percentage of GDP. The percentage of GDP coming in 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 receipts is about 11%. The outlay is about 22% as far as what we're spending of our GDP on outlays as a government versus what we get in. So it looks like if you were to just basically chart the presidents, Clinton was the best. If you were to talk about the ability to bring in more receipts while cutting spending as far as percentage of GDP goes. Pretty interesting, right? Now, higher taxes are coming. It's interesting to note, taxes and average economic growth and real GDP. We're not even close. We're not even close to being a heavily taxed nation. The United States remains amongst the least taxed nation in the industrialized world, measured, again, by indexes of taxes of all forms of government levels as a percentage of the total uh, economy. Ireland, the taxes versus their GDP is about 6%. United States is a paltry 2%. Now, Japan at 1%, Switzerland at 1%. Tells you that some nations have it a little bit better than us, but not very many. So, we as a nation are kind of undertaxed versus our GDP numbers. To get your calls in the air, if you want to call in and wait 22 hours, you're more than welcome to. It's 800 345 5639. It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. Boycott the circus. Elephants were meant to roam around, not stay in closed pens. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. Find me online at Facebook under the group I Hate Rob Black. I Hate Rob Black. Drop me an email at rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. Coming up next, Glenn Beck, more stimulating talk. End of
0: time. So you got to let me know. Should
2: I stay or should I go? It's always tease, tease, tease. You're happy when I'm on my knees. One day is fine and next is black. So if you want me off your back.